listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Listening to Windy City Slam live for the next 30 minutes every Monday at noon Central Time from the Windy City. Windy City Slam covers wrestling Chicago style. My name is Chris Lanuti sitting in a nine foot homemade oak bar in my basement. Pull up a stool, grab a drink, join us. You might not be listening live, that's okay. Remember, we're available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Mike Pankow joins me right now. Michael, how are you? Chris, I'm good. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. You know, I mean, I'm wondering what's going to happen with local wrestling promotions uh, after the uh, the dictator decided that uh, certain things can remain open and certain things can't remain open here in Illinois. Or at least uh, we've seen a lot of zones shut down and now the uh, suburban, actually all of Cook County, uh, just got put under restrictions starting on Wednesday. It mainly affects bars and restaurants, although I know some promoters do small shows and things like that. It also restricts certain indoor gatherings and it's just in time for the winter uh meanwhile i was waited on by a person at a target that didn't even wear a mask the other day and uh, i never see them get closed down so i again the local business owners the local promoters are just going to get uh screwed it looks like this week right when the snow starts falling like it is outside today but other than that i'm fine how are you I'm good. It's 70 degrees inside my house. Got the heat running. So uh, what's snow? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going on locally? I mean, I'm sure we'll find out eventually whether or not these new orders uh, affect anybody in the wrestling world. But what's going on locally right now uh, in the uh, in the world of Chicagoland wrestling? I mean, as of right now, there is one event that is on my schedule for this week in terms of uh, local events. And as of right now, and I just checked their uh, their Facebook and their Twitter as of noontime on Monday the 26th, AAW Pro is still on for 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. Obviously, um, that is subject to change due to some of these restrictions that may have just went down, but uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that as we get toward the end of the show. But we had a big weekend, two big pay-per-views this weekend. And before we take a trip to hell in a cell from WWE, <laughs> let's get into Impact Wrestling's shit. Bound for Glory, which was Saturday night. Another solid show by Impact Wrestling. And the main event was a great story. And I was so glad for this guy. Rich Swan wins the Impact World Championship. He defeats Eric Young. Now, a lot of people might remember Rich Swan from WWE. Uh, he was the Cruiserweight Champion for a while there before getting released about a year or so ago. He ends up in Impact, has a nice run, uh, tag team champions with Willie Mack, and then he had a bad knee injury, but he started his comeback earlier this year uh, Eric Young was a surprise appearance at Slammiversary, and that's when this feud started. This was three or four months ago. Eric Young viciously attacked Rich Swan on a couple different occasions. 
uh, to kind of sell that knee injury a little bit more. It was a nice build. Rich Swan winning the title warms my heart because this is a guy who lost both of his parents while he was a teenager and uh, growing up in the Baltimore area. So definitely pulled on the heartstrings. Um, Rich is a good kid. Uh, he's actually married to Sue Young, who's um, also, we'll get into that in just a minute, what she did on this show. But so happy for Rich Swan. Um, uh, I met him at Warrior Wrestling a couple of times last year. Good, good guy. Congratulations on Rich Swan winning the Impact World Championship. Excellent job. Very good for him out there. And uh, that, uh, it seems like, is your highlight of that show, right? Yes, for me, it was definitely the highlight of the show because uh, I was expecting something else to be the number one highlight of the show for me personally. Uh-oh. What does that, that mean? Like, what, what, what do you yeah. think was going to happen? Well, Kylie Ray, uh, for Chicago's very own Kylie Ray, was supposed to challenge the Impact Wrestling Women's Championship or the Knockouts Championship, as they call it. Uh, she was supposed to challenge for that title against Diana Perrazzo. So they had a nice build. They had this great vignette where Kylie's uh, it was filmed in the city. You see all kinds of like around the Chicago lakefront, Chicago landmarks, and stuff like that. So geeked up for it. They go to the match. Kylie's music plays. Kylie doesn't come out. This is really, really weird. Not a lot of mention on it either. So Diana grabs the mic, makes an open challenge, and that challenge was answered by Sue Young, who is kind of like a demonic, undead, zombie-like character. Um, her alter ego, Susie, uh, which she has been playing the last few months, is a friend of Kylie Ray's. But now, I guess, they decided to bring back Sue Young as this more undead character. She comes out. She ends up winning the title from Diana. I mean, it was a solid surprise. Very good. But my disappointment lies in I was really hoping Kylie Ray would be there for Chicago Pride. She's been working hard the last few years. And there really wasn't an explanation from Impact. Um, There's a couple of reports out there. I don't know if it was an injury or or something else that she didn't show, but apparently she's still okay with impact. Impact is good with her. I, I mean, mean, you never know. Not, she could have been, she could have been exhibiting symptoms. You, you don't want to jump to conclusions, but it almost seems yeah. like you, it's going to happen from time to time that before a match, one of the participants could test positive or at least have symptoms that would make you think that that's a COVID I- issue. And you tell them not to come and you got to think on the flies of what you do. And if you're constantly blaming it on COVID, it might get old. I'm not saying that's what she has, but it might get old. Right. So you're like, you know what? Yeah. We're, we're just This is what our plan is the next time that somebody does this. We're going to do open challenge stuff from now on, and we're going to kind of go with that, and that could that could very well have been the reason. Yeah, I hate to speculate on the reason, but the, it's, it's always a possibility in this day and age. You know, it's crazy these times. And, yeah, Kylie um, missing that show. Uh, I was really bummed for a little while on that, but uh, Sue Young, nice surprise. And then the main event really lifted me back up with Rich Swan. So that, I mean, thankfully those things happened and it made for a happier ending for the show. A few other things before we move on to uh, other stuff. The four-way match for the Impact Tag Team Championships, we have once again the North of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. They regained the titles after a few months without them. They beat... The Motor Shitting Machine Guns, the Good Brothers, and the team of Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Now, the Motor City Machine Guns are Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. 
the North attacked Alex Shelley before the match on the rampway. Uh, they, I uh, believe Josh Alexander Powell drove uh, Alex Shelley, and this was, I think, an injury angle because I guess Shelley came in injured. They took him out of the match, so Saban fought by himself, which really made it very difficult for the machine guns to retain in this type of match. The North ends up pulling it out. They were the year-long tag team champions in Impact before losing the titles to the Machine Guns, I believe, back in July. So the North, very strong team. And both those guys, Ethan Page, Josh Alexander, probably in the best shape of their lives. I mean, they look terrific out there. They, they both dropped maybe 20, 30 pounds. They're cut. They're ripped. Uh, there's rumors of, uh, down the line about Ethan Page maybe showing up at the AEW. So, yeah, I'm very excited for the North being the title holders again in uh, Impact Wrestling. And uh, to run down the rest of the show, we had Rohit Raju, who is the exhibition champion. He retained the title in the six-person exhibition scramble, which included Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Warrior Wrestling Champion Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. It was a really, really fun match. And uh, Rohit won uh, in an opportunistic fashion, which kind of cements him more as a heel in that company and a very solid title holder. And in another match, much like WWE did for AJ Styles, Undertaker, Sweden, Bray Wyatt, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa in NXT, Moose defeats EC3 in what was a cinematic match. It was filmed in a different location. Um... You know, I dig cinematic matches now because you don't get the pop of the crowd. And, and so I, I guess I'm fe- I'm OK with it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it, I, sometimes they're pretty good. It just depends on the production value. It really does. It, it, it's all about it, production value. Which I thought was solid for Impact Wrestling. They, they did a nice job with it. And I think they established Moose here as a little bit more of a, a guy that people can uh, put their faith in. I always liked him as an athlete. He's a former NFL lineman. He played several years in the league. He blocked for some of the greatest quarterbacks ever, like uh, I believe Tom Brady and, and um, Peyton Manning were both guys he blocked for. So, yeah, I mean, this guy has the tools. Uh, EC3 kind of gave him a little bit of a rub there, which um, I think they're going to also lift him up at some point too since he's back with the company now, and he's also doing stuff for ROH. So interesting that EC3 is kind of bouncing around the circuit a little bit with some bigger companies. So a very strong cinematic match. And then we had Ken Shamrock defeating Eddie Edwards after interference from Sammy Callahan. And before the show, Shamrock inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, which included a video package from none other than The Rock. (laughs) Interesting. But yeah, they did did go back and forth a lot, I remember, in the 90s. I mean, those guys, they, they worked with each other. So that's, that's, that's an interesting thing right there. I mean, the rocks net, the rock seems like he's a pretty solid dude, you know, could mm-hmm. be a total jerk. The rock I don't does, know, but he seems like a solid dude. The rock does acknowledge other promotions, even though he's a WWE guy through and through. And, uh, somebody asked me on Facebook the other day, like, what did I think of the rock showing up on, on, on an impact in that video? And I'm like, well, I don't think Vince is going to do anything to The Rock because he's The Rock. I he's mean, The Rock. He can I do whatever think, uh, he wants to. He can do whatever right. he wants to. So. I think Vince needs The Rock more than The Rock needs WWE. So, yeah, I think everything is fine there. I mean, it's the rivalry between the two, the Attitude Era. I mean, Shamrock was a very big part of the, like, 98, 99, 2000 era. 
and uh, along with like Stone Cold, Undertaker, Triple H, DX, and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, great honor for Ken Shamrock. He's now a UFC Hall of Famer and an Impact Wrestling Hall of Famer. And at some point, there were rumors that he might even show up in WWE again. I mean, those obviously hadn't happened, but I wouldn't be surprised down the line if you see a Ken Shamrock one more time in WWE, even though he's now in his 50s. Well, if we're going to talk about and, WWE, we got to talk about Hell in a Cell. And, and I got to tell you something right now. Poor Drew McIntyre. I mean, here's a guy who yeah. wins a championship without a crowd around and holds it for a long amount of time and loses yeah. the championship, and he never gets so to sad. have the crowd. You know, I mean, I just... I would think at some point when the world gets back to normal, Drew McIntyre should get to win a title and hold it up in front of cheering fans. I felt bad for him. I know. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit, but those are the feelings I was feeling myself when he lost last night, too. The same exact thing you just said now is what was going through my mind last night when I was talking to my wife about it. And, you know, I'm like, I feel really bad for Drew. And she's like, oh, so what? It's predetermined, but... Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, like, it, when he found out about it backstage, I feel bad for him. Like, at some point, somebody yeah. told him we're taking this from you, and we're giving it to Wharton, who's had it so many times we can't even count him. And and, and yeah. maybe, maybe the idea is, you know, maybe, you know, this is the one thing that I've never gotten that WWE does now that they didn't, it didn't seem like they did it years ago. The idea that somebody could win a title and then somebody could win it back from them, and the title can change hands a couple of different times over the course of a year between two guys in a storyline. Now the whole thing is that like there's a storyline, and then there's one match, and then it's over. And if you lose, you really don't come back and take the thing back from the guy. Not that often. And you know that that's the one thing that if I felt like that was happening, I'd be like, all right, fine. This will continue something between McIntyre and, and Orton. And down the line, McIntyre shows up again and gets his his title. And if he gets it in front of a crowd, then this totally makes sense to me because maybe they're like, hey, we just got to move it around a little bit. I have no problem if you're moving it around a little bit. But if the idea is now Orton walks around for the next six to seven months and takes on jabronis and it doesn't really matter who's wrestling with him because this is his run and it's marked off on the calendar for a certain amount of time, that's what I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally hear you there. And uh, we'll get to a little bit more of that in just a second. I wanted to get the one more thing from the Impact show. Rhino ends up winning that Call Your Shot Gauntlet match. So he gets the challenge for any title he wants to. And in doing so, he also gets Heath his contract, his full-time contract with Impact. Heath was actually in that match too, but he was injured late on late in the match before he was eliminated. So this can be interesting to see what Heath's um, future is there. But apparently, I think Heath was actually supposed to win the match. So the injury, I think, changed a little bit. So they ended up giving it to Rhino since Rhino, you know, obviously him winning as well would have gotten Heath the contract. So it's good for them. Um, I'm glad to see Heath get a full-time deal. I mean, I, I, that guy was so good in WWE and so underutilized, and I'm glad to see that happening. On the whole, another strong impact pay-per-view, and, and they've been good the last two to three years, but the only downer to me, again, was no Kylie, and hopefully at some point we'll see her come back and, and challenge for that knockouts title again. And real quick, before we take a trip back to hell, I just want to remind everyone that you can check out past episodes of the Windy City Slam podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and also at WindyCitySlam.com. And when you check out the old episodes, you can listen to guests like Jonathan Hood, Sam Adonis, Brian Pillman Jr., Drama King Matt Raywald, 
Al Capone, Missa Kate, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels, Trevor Outlaw, and so much more. So check us out on demand for all those great guests that we've had. Very cool, Mike. So uh, Hell in the Cell is one of those ones that... Uh... It's weird. It's not one of the ones that you think of like at the same terms as your Money in the Bank, your Summer Slams, your WrestleManias. There's certain ones that I'm always like, yeah, I definitely got to watch that. But it's probably that next tier down for me, maybe just because of the name, maybe just because of the history. But overall, Mm -hmm. what did you think of this Hell in a Cell compared to other ones? I actually thought it was a solid show. I mean, obviously you didn't get like a, a Mankind or Undertaker moment. It wasn't like the first sell with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker where Kane made his debut. But it was a solid show. I mean, it's not 1998, unfortunately. It's 2020, and you have the Thunderdome rather than the live crowd. But for the circumstances, I thought they put on a good show. And like we said, Orton becomes a 14-time world champion by pinning McIntyre. And again, I I was totally with you on the point you made a few minutes ago about how poor Drew didn't even get to experience a crowd during his entire title run. I was telling my wife how bad I felt for Drew, and and she was like, oh, it's just predetermined. It's just wrestling. But no, it's, it's so much more than that. For Drew, it's a guy who's worked hard for 10, 12, 14 years building himself up, uh, trying to impress promoters, trying to impress Vince McMahon, uh, working the indies, getting released from WWE after his first run, pulling himself back up with Impact, uh, doing some big things in the UK and in the United States indies before getting re-signed to NXT. It's the grind. It's just the appreciation for a guy like Drew McIntyre. And he got that great pop at the Rumble back before COVID hit. And everybody's so excited for his potential. And then it just got, well, because of WrestleMania being in the close set with nobody there. And poor Drew didn't even get a chance to get a reaction. So I would love to, would have loved to have seen and gauged the actual reaction to his title reign by the fans as it wore on. I have a feeling it would have been big. I, that, that's me. But I'm just a little bummed out that he didn't get to experience that. The match that a lot of people are saying stole the show is the Bailey Sasha Banks. That's not surprising to me because yes. uh, they, they can put on a show and they've worked so well together over the years. Was that the best match of the night? I think it was the best match of the night. And I, I mean, the story behind it, two lifelong, fr- uh, not lifelong friends, but two longtime friends in the business back to their NXT days. They were rivals in the ring there. Um, they had the great feud there. Bailey ended up winning the title from Sasha. And then on the main roster, they became friendly. So they had uh, their tag team. They were the first ever women's tag team champions. They had a great run there. And then the, 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 the turn by Bailey uh, a little over a year ago where, you know, she turned heel and Sasha came back and, you know, she kind of embraced the hate. Then they teamed up, won those tag team titles. And then they ran the story where there was maybe some inherent jealousy. Bailey finally makes that turn on Sasha, betrays Sasha, beats her up after losing the titles. And I thought it was really, really well done. And our friend Val Capone made a great point on Twitter. She argued that this match should have been the main event. I can't really disagree with that. I mean, I, they, they delivered in the ring. Um, they uh, used the cell in some innovative ways, uh, wedging kendo sticks between the stairs and the, and, and the cell itself for some moves. Um, and uh, Sasha got the tap out. So I think maybe this is a good run for Sasha. Maybe she'll actually hold, be able to hold on to a 
women's championship for longer than a few days as I believe all her five raw women's championship reigns were all told like a month and a half total. Yeah. Didn't hold on to her very long. That's not like, that's not what they normally do with her, which is interesting. Now I'll tell you this with the, the Mandalorian coming up and what we know about Sasha being in that show. I think WWE is going to run with her at least for a little while as that show debuts on Disney plus later this week. Yeah. It makes sense. You want, you want it to be referred to as WWE women's champion. Sasha Banks is in the Mandalorian when they're writing about it during the season, you know, that's the pop you're looking for there. You want to give that, that, that title to her. So, you know, especially if she ends up on, you know, having that title and then being in the Mandalorian gives her the opportunity to be guest on talk shows, gives her more exposure, makes her a more um, mainstream guest. And all it does is give exposure to WWE and it give exposure to her. So it makes perfect sense for her to hold that title while the Mandalorian is running, because now if you're a guest booker on anything from Jimmy Fallon to 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 Joe Rogan. You 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 can get a a champion who's going to walk in with a belt and also talk Star Wars. I mean, nerd yep. out, nerds. I mean, she's like the perfect guest. Everybody's going to want her. And she's apparently Snoop Dogg's cousin too, so she's she's uh, sprang to all fields there. Yeah, she's so, yeah, she's, she's definitely got the possibility right now. You I mean she she's an interviewer's dream because you can cover so many topics and it's so many different groups that would then go ahead and listen to your show or watch your show or whatever. She's an absolute interviewer's dream, and they've by giving her the title, they made her they made her very very marketable right now. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that over the next couple of months, and how much we see Sasha Banks popping up in the mainstream. That's what I'm going to be kind of looking mm-hmm. for. Yes, uh, and Vince McMahon is no dummy for making that decision. If that's why he did it, and I'm pretty sure that is probably why WWE WWE did it at this point. They want to get as much positive publicity as they can, and I believe the Mandalorian and Sasha Banks time that'll bring it in. Meanwhile, uh, Vince is Vince is uh, hiding uh, the Universal Championship, which is supposed to be such a big deal. He's hiding it in between an R Truth Drew Gulak match and an Elias versus Jeff Hardy match in the first three matches of Hell in the Cell. I don't know what yeah. they're waiting on for Reigns, but clearly they know just what we know is that Reigns versus an Uso is not important enough for me to pay attention to. Like, what? how long until they get him somebody real that he's that's actually going to have some hype when he faces them? Well, I think that's coming pretty quickly, uh, given what happened with this match on Sunday. Uh, Reigns beat Jey Uso in the I Quit match. Um, after lengthy beating on Jay, brother Jimmy Uso came out to reason with Roman. And he's using real names. He's like, this is Josh here laying down, and, and I'm John. And we're, this is Josh and John. And, and all that pleading with Roman. Roman cr- cries maybe what looked like some crocodile tears. And then Roman grabs Jimmy Uso, puts him in a guillotine choke. Uh, and then at that point, Jey Uso quits to save his brother, who was already injured and kind of recovering, and now he's in this guillotine choke in the middle of the ring. So that, that cementing Roman even further as a heel, and at the end of the match, a cool touch, both his dad, Sika, and his uncle, Afa, came out, and, and Roman kind of celebrated with them. They, uh, Sika put the lay around Roman's neck, kind of like a little bit of a passing of the torch from the wild Samoans to the current wild Samoan himself, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. Yeah, WWE put out a thing that said head of the table tribal chief. So I thought that was like they're trying to basically say like he now runs the family, 
which which mm-hmm. is a cool storyline as to what they're doing. And you might actually see since he runs the family, the two guys that he basically abused in the ring could eventually be minions underneath him because he's the head of the family. I mean, they, they, you right. can run with that and all of a sudden put the Usos as like reluctant having the back Roman or, or do his bidding because he runs the family. That could indeed where that's be where that's going. I, I kind of like that idea. I, I think that really, really would work. And uh, I think the reason for the placement of the match, you mentioned like we're on the card it was. They had three money the they had, I'm sorry, money in the bank. They had three hell in a cell matches on that show, and they kind of they don't want to run them all together. They kind of want to split them up. And I think that's the one they figured was probably uh, the least attractive of the three in terms of name value. No offense to Jimmy Uso, but uh, Jay Uso rather. But I think that's just kind of way they spaced it. They made that the opener, kind of pulled up the heartstrings a little bit. Then they put the Bailey Sasha Banks kind of in the middle, and then you had the main event with Randy and Drew. And by the way, uh, it was on social media last night that the four members of Evolution. When Orton won that title last night, Orton, Triple H, Ric Flair, Batista have now combined for 50-5-0 world championship reigns. That's crazy to me. That's insane. What's really insane is something that you just kind of, it's like a Freudian slip right there. You mentioned money in the bank. Otis loses his money in the bank contract. I find this to be disturbing. I don't like the idea that you make a big deal about money in the bank. And that means that guy has an entire year where he could end up being the champion. And then you decide you're going to take it off of him. I think it hurts the legitimacy of money in the bank. I really think it does. I think the idea that somebody could win money in the bank and it's no longer a guarantee because what they did is they they scuttled their own thing by having a storyline where one of their money in the bank winners, and a lot of times it's always somebody that you don't expect and it gives you an opportunity to build your career. So what are you saying? You're saying you couldn't do anything with Otis? That it was just a gag? And that you always intended to take it off him. I wonder how he felt when he got that explained to him. Because if I were yeah. Otis right now, I'd be like, when's my deal up? I'm going to AEW. Screw this place. That's how I would feel right now. The fa- and and we, like, we, like we said, he doesn't find that out in the ring. He found out at some point still had to go out there and be a professional. I would have had a hard time walking out there and doing a match. That's probably why I'm not yeah. cut out for wrestling. If, if they would have told me, yeah, you won money in a bank, but we're taking it away from you tonight just because... I would I would have been like, you know what? Then, you know, you I'm just leaving. You could you could strip me of it. I'm not I'm not going out there and losing this thing. I w- I would have understood yeah. that. I really would have. Yeah, it's it's a sad situation for Otis. Uh Why do you think they did I that to him? It. I mean, is there something going on? Like, what do you see in Otis that makes you think like is it they they just don't think he's marketable? Did he didn't did he did he do something wrong? Are his matches sucking? Is it because since they're not getting the crowd reaction, there's really nothing that they they like about him? That it was really just because of the crowd. Without a crowd, there's no point in having Otis do anything. I can't I can't wrap my brain around the idea of giving up the money in the bank briefcase. That 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's hard to gauge because obviously you don't have the crowd, but I think if he did have the crowd, we'd have a better gauge of whether Otis would be working as a character or not. I think there'd be that section of the, the WWE universe that would, you know, enjoy Otis and, and the whole thing with the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then uh, it seems like they're taking everything away from him. His girlfriend gets traded to Raw. His partner gets drafted to Raw. Now his partner turns on him. Because now he felt abandoned and it's it, it, kind of a crazy situation. And now the Miz is actually holding the briefcase. And this is also set up on a goofy storyline 
where they had a, a uh, court case where JBL was the judge and the Miz ends up bribing JBL with, with a briefcase or something. And JBL rules that they had to have this match and they turn over the money in the bank. And this is not a first time this has ever happened where the money in the bank briefcase exchanged hands in a match. And they actually there's been a couple of other matches where it's been on the line. But before, if you remember, Mr. Kennedy from uh, about 12 or 13 years or so ago won money in the bank at a WrestleMania. And then uh, a few months later, Edge ends up challenging him for the briefcase and beats him for the briefcase. And Mr. Kennedy had this huge run. He beat like seven world champions or something on SmackDown. And all of a sudden, they soured on him, whether it was backstage related or, or whatever. I don't remember. I don't know. But they had Edge beat him for that, and then Edge ended up cashing in and winning the world title for the second time via Money in the Bank. So there is some precedence to this. But yeah, and the fact Otis won the Money in the Bank, I thought it was kind of cool that an underdog and an unexpected guy ended up having the case. Because a lot of times with that and the Royal Rumble, it's so predictable now. It's going to be kind of a bigger star, although it was so cool to see Drew McIntyre actually win the Raw Rumble this year because he was fresh and new and kind of not in that main event circle of same guys. But yeah, I mean, a little disappointed to see that, but yeah, definitely not unprecedented. Yeah. Unless it's like, you remember years ago, a few years back leading yeah. into the WrestleMania 30 thing, they basically crushed Daniel Bryant and it felt real. You know, they crushed Daniel Bryant. It felt real. You started to say Vince sucks and, you know, this is you know, these guys. I can't believe that they don't give them an opportunity, and it, and it became like this grassroots thing with the crowd. It, it maybe this is a long storyline. Maybe this is a just just hurt Otis so that you you just root for him more. I I don't know, but I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm really curious. This feels like a story that we're gonna hear more about in the coming weeks and months as we try to figure out why Otis had his money in the bank basically taken from him. It's it, there's got to mm-hmm. there's a reason. It's either a long storyline. Or something happened backstage where they're like, yeah, we're not we're not running with this guy anymore, which is which is interesting. You never know. It could be absolutely anything. We got about two minutes here, bud. What do you want to wrap up with? Yeah, clock's ticking. So a couple more things I want to touch upon. AEW Dynamite, really strong episode. They had the number one contenders tournament uh, first round. We had Kenny Omega, Phoenix, Wardlow, Hangman Page winning those matches. I have a feeling it's coming down to Kenny and Hangman, the former tag team champions, facing off each other to determine the new number one contender down the line. The Young Bucks won a four-way tag match to become the more contenders for the AEW tag team titles. They'll face FTR at full gear in a couple of weeks. And then this really, really funny segment, Chris Jericho and MJF had this hilarious dinner debonair where they basically sat down and ordered steak and they kept changing their steak orders to kind of top each other. No, I want medium. No, I want rare, blah, blah, blah. And then they started singing a duet. (laughs) It's kind of funny. My weird feeling is that this is going to lead uh, to a match between the two heels sooner or later. And also I want to mention AAW Pro Thursday night, 115 Bourbon Street. That's the only uh, big uh, indie that's running this week uh, out of the major Chicago indies. Uh, hopefully they'll be running with some of these new restrictions in. Check AAW out on Facebook and on Twitter for more details on those developments. Uh, we have a match between AAW champion Mance Warner and Jake Something, uh, who are challenging the tag team of AAW heritage champion Hakeem Zayn, who's also Rohit Raju in Impact, and Karam. 
And then there's an AAW Tag Team Championship match, Ace Austin, Man Man Fulton against Airwolf and Angel Dorado. All right, Mike, that's all good stuff. And hopefully, like you said, they actually uh, let that thing go forward. I, You know, I can walk around a Walmart and I see 15 people not wearing a mask, but we got to make sure we shut down these local businessmen. I just don't get it anymore, my friend. This is Windy City Slam. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Just screaming because my name.